This episode of the Pretty Happy Podcast is brought to you by our website, prettyhappy.place. Please visit our website to support the show. On this week's episode, we share part two of our chat with speech-language pathologist, Tanya Keller. But first, we talk about three ways to add communication into your home without using high-tech. Today is Monday, June 20th. Let's start the show. Welcome to the Pretty Happy Podcast. My name is Sam. And I'm Sarah. And we're the parents of Zoe, a child with Rhett Syndrome. And today is a blustery day. It is indeed. It has been blustery day for the last week. <laughs> and it won't stop. I think Constant that's just where we live. Wind. No. No. Not like this. Not like this wind. Okay. It is, it is stronger and more persistent. I think somebody... Did something wrong against the gods, and they are angry against us now. That's your opinion. That is. So, if somebody could sacrifice a cat to solve this problem, that would be greatly appreciated. That being said, <laughs> let's jump right into our top three. You're kind for of you're a little bit dark. Week. <laughs> dead cats, dead horses. <laughs> Holy cow. Uh, don't talk about cows. Don't talk about cows. <laughs> don't bring them into this. <laughs> okay. Sarah, share with us about our top three for the week. Our top three is about communication. Communication? Are about, are about communication. M? Yes. M? Ain't? What? I don't know. <laughs> anyway, number one is yes, no. Yes, no. Yes, no. Why yes, no? Because yes, no. <laughs> okay. No. <laughs> uh, I guess I'll answer why. I mean, to me, yes, no is kind of the basic building blocks of communication when you're just giving one option or another. You know, you can do this or you cannot do it. You can have this or you cannot have it. You... That's kind of a very... It's like the... It's the primary... What, what is... The foundation? I said foundation. You did? <laughs> oh, dear. At least I'm pretty sure I did. Uh, I, I hope that I'm not sounding really silly and saying that I did and I did it because it certainly crossed my mind. Anyways, I agree with you regardless that it is kind of establishing the beginnings of being able to have a conversation with somebody yes, and somebody that you don't speak the same language. Exactly. So, exactly. So you want to have a solid yes, no. Yep. So for Zoe, it is her eyes. She will look at you for yes. She will look away for no. Mm -hmm. So you can ask her any question that is a yes, no question mm -hmm. and she can answer you. Uh-huh. Granted, you have to know your individual because Zoe is a huge tease. And she will tell you the opposite because she knows that you know that she knows. Yeah. Well, and she also holds it together pretty well. Yeah. She, like, I, I, when I tease somebody, oftentimes I break pretty quickly. She doesn't. 
She doesn't break. She won't break until you ask her, are you teasing me? Yeah, and then that is what pushes her over the edge uh-huh. and she has this giant grin and she laughs. Because she knows that, that she got you. Yeah, yeah. Well, and then that she's also found out. Yes. The combination of being got and then being found out, I think it's enough for her to be like, oh, I can't hold it in anymore. So it's hilarious. But yeah, that's a that's a great starting point when it comes to communication because yes and no. It's you, you can talk about a lot of things yeah. using yes and no to begin with. Yeah. And the the one thing that I wanted to kind of connect with the yes no's are slowing down and asking for their opinions. I feel like sometimes as parents, we get in a routine and we're just like, or caregivers, parents or caregivers or family, you know, whoever you are, we get in a routine and we just start doing the things for them because we've always done it. And we don't stop to ask their opinion. Yeah. Like sometimes I ask, I don't ask Zoe what shirt she wants to wear. Because I don't, I, I didn't like, I don't think about it. Yeah. I'm getting better because I'm aware of it, you know, but I, I need to be better than I am currently. You told me not to say it, but the reason why we don't do it is because Sarah and I wake up 10 minutes before the bus shows up. <laughs> and so because we wake up 10 minutes before the bus shows up, we don't have time to be asking. But we don't ask her no about questions. her pajamas either sometimes. We don't. No, we do ask. We do we, ask the boys because Sammy will. Peter. Sammy not will Peter. throw a fit Sammy if you give will. him the wrong pajamas. Yeah. Yeah, that is true. Peter won't, but not. Yeah, yeah not at this point. Um, yeah. Yeah, you're right on that one. But. With getting dressed in the morning, if you and I woke up more than 10 minutes before okay. the bus showed up, <laughs> she would, we, we would have time. We would, we would be able to take the time, and that's something that you and I need to work yes. on. Yes. <laughs> but it's not just that. Like, but in general, like slowing yeah. down, giving options for snacks when you get home, or, mm-hmm. you know, what shoes do you want to wear today? Mm-hmm. I just assume that she wears the sh- she's going to want to wear the shoes that she always wears, but yeah. she has other shoes. Yeah. You know, yep. so it's it's slowing down, remembering to slow down. Yep, definitely. Number two. Number two is printing pictures or page sets from your high tech, if you have high tech. If you don't have high tech, if you have a speech therapist, they can make, um, what are they called? The, the pages, I don't know, I've lost the word. <laughs> <laughs> Did you not just the say boards? that? I did. Page sets? Yeah. I'm trying to think of how you would describe a page set to somebody else who doesn't know what a page set is. Well, I mean, if you're talking to a speech language pathologist, they should know. Well, that's true. <laughs> so, a page set is basically pictures of different words, thoughts, ideas, items, and then you can go through and you would use like a partner assisted scan so you would like say these are the things here do you want something in this row and then the person could say yes or no say yes and no it's a big thing mm-hmm. and then you would you know either continue on that row or move on depending on what they said yep. anyway you can print those and have them around during like bath time because you don't want your eye gaze getting wet but you could laminate them Laminate the papers, mm-hmm. and then have your 
communication there. Yeah. Or, you know, in the car. Well, I guess you maybe not in the car. Depending on your setup in the car. Yeah, it, if somebody's sitting on, next to them, they depends, could use it. Yeah. It depends on, on different situations. So. I was thinking of myself in the car. Yeah. With by yourself. By myself trying holding, to. Holding it behind. Which ones? Are we, <laughs> is it in the first quadrant or the second? Uh, yeah. And then th- that's when you need autopilot, Sarah. We are that's not going into this autopilot. No. Okay. Driving. Anyway. We can get it. Two for communication Comma is printing pictures AI. and page sets and having them available around your home. We'll talk about that on a can't leave it. The thing that I was talking about. <laughs> You'll talk about it on a can't. Yes, I will. Yes, I will. Because I think it's very, very Number cool. three. Number three is to get others involved. Why? Because you don't want to limit your individual to just you. I am all Zoe needs. You tell her that when she starts asking for other people. Okay? See how that goes. How does it go? It doesn't go well for you. <laughs> I thought you were speaking from experience. So you've told her that before. Um, no, I have not. But she has told me to go away when, yeah. like, during therapy. Once yeah. her therapist gets there, she'll be like, can I have some privacy? And it is directed at me because she does not want me there. Mm-hmm. I'm fine with it. Get others involved, people. <laughs> but how do you do that? How do you do that in just day to day? Yeah. I think you need to make it a habit. Um, a habit when you introduce the individual that you explain the basics. Yeah. You have a, a short little elevator pitch of the basics of the individual. So that way the person can speak to them. I think probably the most important part is saying, don't talk like a baby. (laughs) Don't talk like a baby. Don't talk to them like a baby. They are their age. Yeah. Now, obviously, depending on your situation, that may be different. But we do know that even individuals who are cognitively behind due to circumstances, whatever it may be, Typically, they do have an age range that they're set for when it comes to development. Yeah. And so stating that, whatever it may be, whatever that situation may be, would be important to help people understand how to better communicate with the person. Because if other people are communicating with them on their level, then they're going to be more engaged. Yes. Otherwise, they will quickly tune them out. Yep. <laughs> and the person who they were interacting with will get bored and walk away and now you have no stimulating conversation going on. So. Here's a question. Okay. Question time. What do you do if someone is nervous or just like really uncomfortable and not sure how to communicate even if you have just explained it? Uh, You let out a deep sigh and you say, giant baby. (laughs) You could use other words if you want. I mean, I suppose it depends on how well you know that person. (laughs) It may work for some. I don't think that's going to work for everyone. (laughs) Probably not. So one. But let's be honest. 
that's the way most people are going to feel in that situation it's when true. you have literally just told them what to do and then they can't follow through on doing it. Well, I mean, but some people aren't comfortable. They're just, they just don't want to mess up. Like the, the biggest thing that I've heard from people when it comes to interacting with Zoe is they're afraid that they're going to do it wrong, mm -hmm. which I find very interesting. So I have an anecdote. Can I, can I first say what it? Oh, I thought you were I done. Gonna, I wasn't I, done. I, I was going to actually give an reading. example of something. I, I was you reading you and I read wrong. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. So what I was going to say was. So I have an anecdote. I'm <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Finish. Finish what you were saying. <laughs> that time it was a joke. Finish what you were saying. <laughs> you can ask your individual who they want to help them with things. Whether that's pushing the stroller or walking with them or feeding them a snack mm -hmm. or something like that. You can ask them which person in the room they want to help them. Mm -hmm. And then hopefully, hopefully the individuals in the room will start an interaction with your individual. I'm saying individual <laughs> a lot. The other people in the room will start. Yeah, because the, they're the, going the, to, the you know, because that gives them an opening to say, well, you should pick me uh -huh. or I want to help pick me. Or if they don't get picked, well, why don't you pick? Why don't you like me? Why didn't mm -hmm. you pick me? You know, so it gives them an, an opportunity that's more natural to like start talking and communicating and building a relationship. Yeah. Okay, my anecdote. Okay, what's your anecdote? Comes from TikTok. Oh dear. I knew you were gonna say that. <laughs> I literally mapped out what I was gonna say and what your response was gonna be, and it was exactly that. <laughs> so it's like we're married or something. I exactly. I saw this video. A veteran of the United States Marine Corps was talking about how in I don't know which training he said it was, um, but he was a medic. A, a combat medic and one of the things that they had to train out or they have to train out of medics is hero complex hero complex is in in with these combat medics is when a soldier shouts out medic oh. and then the medic goes running in to save that person right well, he starts explaining the logic of why that's actually a bad idea yeah. to immediately send the medic in, which is most likely in the situation, the person's been injured by a combatant. Okay, so let's say that it's, uh, it's, it's somebody with a gun behind a building and they shot yeah. this soldier. Well, if you go running out to go and help as the medic, there's a good possibility that you're going to get shot too. Yeah. Even though you could be covered in red crosses, there's a good chance that you could get yeah. shot as well. All right. So then now that you as the medic are now shot, what does the rest of the group of 25 to 40 people do? <laughs> They're in trouble, right? Yes. And so what they train these medics to do is when somebody calls out medic, they are giving instructions to the victim 
telling them, you need to come to me, you need to come to me, or they send in another soldier to bring that person to the medic, right? So why am I sharing this? I don't know. So we've talked multiple times on the podcast about how culture surrounding individuals with disabilities, differing abilities has changed a lot over at least my lifetime of what I've seen. Mm-hmm. Well, that's because we, myself specifically, are more aware of what's happening. And daily, we are involved with somebody who has a lot of different disabilities. And we are able to see that Zoe is capable of a lot more than what you or I would have thought of for somebody who has Rett syndrome back in the aughts or the 90s or whatever, right? Right. So there is a culture that has to be overcome. And so we are that instructor in that combat medic training, having to train out of people that this person, just because they speak differently, because they move differently, because they interact with you differently, that doesn't mean that you need to treat them differently, right? You need to treat them as a human being. Obviously, you are going to speak to them differently. At least, well, you're going to speak with Zoe differently because in the beginning, it's going to be yes, no questions. And every single time we've introduced people to Zoe and we've said yes, no questions, what is one of the first things people ask? They ask, how are you doing today? Or an open-ended question. They do. And it's like, that's we just said yes, no questions. That's not a yes, no question. They have to really think about it. Exactly. So what I'm saying is that similar to combat medics in training, having a hero complex, people outside of disability communities and connections to disability communities, even people within have these understandings and wrong understandings Mm -hmm. about these people. And it's an opportunity for us to train that out of them. Yeah, I'm not I can saying, see that. I'm not saying that we have to do that every single time. And in all honesty, even though I was joking about the giant baby thing, it's okay to say in your mind, giant baby, and just not want to deal with this situation because it's too much. That it's is, fair. That is totally fine. But that's a, that's a thought for you. I like it. I like it. Interesting thoughts. All of those are are incredible thoughts. Um, I I do have a question going back to what you had mentioned before about you going uh, into the outpatient um, setting. What was it? What was your expectations about AAC assessment? And then what did you come away understanding about AAC assessments? And I guess before well, that, what is it? <laughs> so people know right. oh, what, goes, what goes into it. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of um, because, you know, even, even back in grad school, you learn that there's this idea of feature matching. And so all the 
the hardware and all the software has different features and, you know, we're supposed to look at the features and then match it to the user, you know, what their needs are. Mm -hmm. Um, And I didn't really even know how to go about starting that. So, you know, it was very helpful in the outpatient setting to kind of see, um, you know, what the, you know, in this setting, they kind of started out their sessions and their reports by, you know, looking at like, what does this user need? And then trialing some different tools um, to, to determine what, you know, what was appropriate. It, I think I wanted more experience and knowledge with users with complex needs and complex bodies. Um, this clinic was largely autism. Um, so I think, I think I wanted kind of more experience with alternative access and switch users, I gaze users. Yeah, but mostly switch users. And so I didn't get as much of that just because of the nature of the, um, of, of, you know, the clientele at the clinic. So, but I think it it helped me kind of formulate, you know, what to look at, what we're looking for within the sessions. You know, we're not looking for somebody to start using it fluently in that session, you know, or in an assessment, you know, it takes time, but what are we looking for? We're looking at, you know, what kind of grid display can they access? What size buttons can they access? How many on a page? Um, You know, from the beginning of the assessment to the end of the assessment, do you see them needing less prompting? Are they initiating more? You know, things like that. And, you know, what I've learned, maybe not necessarily in the outpatient setting, but over the years is that there are some assessments where, wow, 15 minutes in they're using it. And I'm like, okay, well, I don't, I don't, I really don't think that we need to spend a whole lot of time on this because you're using it. And then there's others where, you know, you need a lot of time to be able to figure out what's going to work and you need to look at small gains. So I was working with a young lady who didn't have a uh, aided communication system. So she was primarily using body language and, you know, shifting her gaze and that kind of thing to communicate. And she was pretty impulsive. So, you know, trying to model, she like wanted to grab it and she was so quick and that kind of thing. And I was thinking, but, but she's got it. She's got it in there. We got to figure out how to get it out. So one of the luxuries to working not in a school where you're kind of on timelines or, you know, one of the luxuries to having a client for therapy where they're not, they didn't necessarily come to you for an assessment. So now you can do dynamic assessment throughout your therapy sessions is that I can present it to her and I can model really quickly. And she's not even looking, she's not even shifting her gaze. Well, we keep doing it. We keep doing it. We keep doing it. And two weeks later, she's pausing and she's looking at it. And two weeks later, she's not necessarily activating the target buttons. But when the activity stops, she's looking to that device and she's touching it with her hand. Um, So I kind of digress from your question. I apologize. I tend to do that. But um, (laughs) but I I think I think I, I guess I guess the short answer to the long answer I gave you is that my knowledge and expectations of learning AAC assessments evolved over the years. Mm-hmm. And I can't say that 
the bulk of it was in that outpatient setting. I think that was a great starting point, but I think, you know, you're always learning with assessment. And I think the more experience that I got and the more tools that I had opportunities to sort of explore, so to speak. And, um, you know, the more individuals that I assessed, I started to learn kind of all of the little nuances that kind of go into it. You know, you have one student who's really paying attention is getting it. Then you have this other one who's impulsive and really doesn't look like she's getting it. If I was to do an assessment that was like one and done or even three times and done, I don't know that I justify that to insurance, but I've also learned that like people can learn it. Some just need more time than others. And I don't think that we should ever make a decision based on any short assessment period, because if, if we're using it long enough, chances are we're going to figure out additional modifications that can make them more successful. They're going to have more practice with it. But, but I think, I think my assessment knowledge has evolved over the years and continues to do it. I think the, the outpatient setting was, was just kind of my starting point. Gotcha. Well, so do you think that if you seen that parents are, 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 and well, okay. So do you see that parents that are younger are more impatient and are wanting things to just kind of click faster for their child? Um, or are they typically just going with a flow? The reason why I ask is I certainly see myself as somebody who just kind of expected Zoe to pick it up. And it just happened. And I can attribute that to the fact that my generation, our generation is grown up with all of this technology. And there's been an expectation, albeit unspoken, that you just figure it out. You just do it and you should be able to do it fairly quickly. And so I think the majority of people in our generation are able to do that. And I wonder if that bleeds over into the way that parents view AAC technology and these assessments um, rather than once again, going back to what I always said, I'm going to beat this dead horse. It's a second language. It's going to take a long time before it's going to be picked up. Anyways, toss it over to you, Tanya. <laughs> and, and I agree with you. And I always, I always kind of start out by saying it's a second language and giving my whole spiel about how it's not a magic solution, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. That being said, I don't know that I can say that it's younger parents being more impatient than older versus parents who initiated it versus parents who maybe didn't know about it and are like, I'm kind of pushing it. So I, I've had families that didn't, I mean, you don't know what you don't know. So they, they don't know what tools are out there. They don't know that eye gaze is an option. They don't know all of this. And so I'm introducing it and they tend to be pretty patient because they, they hadn't heard about it before and they didn't come, they don't have any expectations. Whereas I think the, the families who come in and kind of push for it, they've already read about it. They, you know, they know whatever they know and they're like, okay, I want this now. I want this now. I want this now. This is going to happen. This is going to fix it where it's not. So I think, I, I think I've seen the most difference there. Hmm. Yeah. I could definitely see those parents wanting yeah. to get it done a lot quicker because they've done the, they've done the research themselves. They've done the investigation themselves on various things. Uh, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're the experts. Well, and I wonder too, if it. they feel more confident using the, 
the device themselves. Mm-hmm. And so they're like, well, if I can do it, they can do mm. it. Yeah. Right. Yep. Whereas, you know, if you have somebody who hasn't done any research, they're really unfamiliar with what it does and what it can do. They're going to go slower and learn it as they are exploring it, just like their individual. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure you have a preference on which type of parent you like working with, right, Tanya? <laughs> Uh, no, 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 uh, no. I, no. <laughs> I mean, you don't have to share it, but I mean, it's, uh, I, I could, in, if I were in your shoes, uh, I would certainly struggle with being patient with the parent who comes in with all the knowledge. In my current line of work, I have lots of parents who come with to me and they tell me the way things should be. And I laugh and I say, no, no, that's not the way it's going to work. Um, in fact, if you do it that way, your kid will probably die, literally. And so let's do it the safe way. <laughs> so anyways, you don't have to answer, Tanya, but. It, it's, I, <laughs> it is inactive because. I'm trying to put this diplomatically. A lot of times, not a lot of times, I've had experiences where the ones who want it to happen quickly also need a lot more repetition and reminders Mm. that it needs to be implemented in the home and that everybody needs to be using it to talk to them and that there's a whole, you know, a whole teaching procedure to it. And, 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 you know, you can kind of just record yourself saying that because you kind of have to say that a lot. Um, because I, I think, you know, I don't, and I do try to equate it to a second language. I don't always get the statistics right, but I, you know, I, I was in one, workshop at some conference or something. And they said that it will take, it can take two to four years to get to a conversational level, like a cocktail talk level for a second language. And it can take, I I don't know, it was either three to five or four to seven years to get to more of an academic level. So I do try to use those kinds of things to remind people that like, if, if I, I mean, if I sent you to Spain and all you heard was Spanish for six months, you're going to learn it a lot quicker than if you go to Spanish class twice a week here, yeah. you know, in your own country. Yeah. And, and you know, it, it's the same kind of thing with AAC. I mean, I, I, I get it. I know communication is huge and it's everything, but you know, AAC is just another tool to be able to get there and you know, as with anything, there's a learning curve. Of course. Of course. I mean, Sarah and I are, I can both tell you with a lot of confidence that going to a, a, a foreign country that speaks a different language for an extended period of time forces you to learn things much quicker. And if that works for uh, a second language, it certainly would work for AAC. And obviously it's very easy, as you already pointed out, Tanya, to slip back in to old habits because there isn't a an island in the middle Pacific that is just filled with people who only use AAC to communicate. Right. So we can't completely immerse ourselves 
in that language. But so long as, as we are putting in that effort over time, the hope is that uh, we will have made enough deposits into that bank that we will be able to make a, a healthy withdrawal and be able to have, as, as you put it, a, a cocktail conversation with our child. We're, we're yeah. saying that now with, with our, our, our second child, Sammy, he, his only example was Zoe for the longest time. And unfortunately, COVID made things worse for him right. because we weren't able to get out and go do other things where he would be around kids his, ch- age. Kids his age. And just recently, in fact, when we got home from the Ascend conference, I asked Sarah if she had noticed that things had increased drastically out of the blue. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that we were gone for a week and a lot of things can change over mm-hmm. the course of a week for a preschooler. But it has taken a lot of time. It's taken oh, yeah. a lot of time and it's taken a lot of patience or lack thereof <laughs> in many instances for us to get <laughs> to this point. And it's going to be the same for Zoe. And mm-hmm. while we are seeing a lot of things come about, uh, obviously, Tanya, you experienced one of those things at the Ascent <laughs> Conference where she stated the party was pretty darn lame. Her snarky. <laughs> yeah. And she does that all the well, time. She wasn't wrong. <laughs> well, she wasn't. No, she was not. She wasn't. <laughs> she was not wrong. It was It was not for her. It was not intended for her uh, at, at five years old. Um, so, of course, it was incredibly boring. It, but we are starting to see some of those things pop up. She's still babbling. She's still exploring her voice. And when you turn your viewpoint from this is a computer to this is her, her voice, that's when for me, I, it, it clicked and I was like, okay, this is, we need to be in this for the long haul. This isn't a month from now. We're going to be chatting up a storm. So, well, and I mean, she, and she can, but right now it's, it's a lot of inferences on our part. Which is what we've had to do for so long with Sammy. Yeah. And it, we have to remind yeah. ourselves. Yeah. We, are, we do the same thing in our situation with our other kids. It's just Zoe has a computer. Her, her voice was, was it more expensive than Sammy? Her computer? Yeah. Her Toby? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. It was more expensive than Sammy's birth. We, we could have birthed Sammy like five or six times <laughs> by the time we paid for Zoe's AAC. <laughs> you know, that, that would come with its all, whole, you know, its own. Yeah. Other things. <laughs> a whole lot of other things. Yeah. After aftermath. But, you yeah. know, and and that's what we, we need to think about too, right? So we talk to kids for 12-ish, give or take, because, you know, there's a range before we expect them to start using it. And we hear them, they start, you know, this is where we go back to typical language development. Kids coo, and then they babble, and then they jargon, and then they start to use single words. And they, they have that opportunity from birth. Now our girls and our boys who are using devices don't get those devices until they're, if they're lucky, two, three years mm-hmm. old, others older. So now they're starting the whole cooing, babbling jargon at 
two, three, four, five years of age when they get the device, but they still need that same amount of time that our speaking children get. So, you you know, that that's a big piece of it too, is, is kind of considering, you know, when they didn't have the means to babble, there was, there was a a gap there. Well, and Zoe right now, she goes to her keyboard a lot and she just hits lots of random, you know, random Letters. letters. And it's funny because I think about it and I'm like, I remember when I was little and I would write random letters and then I'd ask my parent, what does this say? Yeah. Because I was yeah. like, I just wrote a word, yeah. you know, and, and she is getting to the point where she is trying to spell. She will try and spell words. Yeah. And, Love and, it. But and even, even with these random spellings, she, she does exactly what you did growing up, Sarah. And that is she, she'll spell it out and then she'll tell her Toby to speak it mm-hmm. and it will say the word. And, it's, and then she'll look at us most of the time. Yeah. She'll be like, it, it's kind of like a, a kid bringing you a mud pie. Uh, you know, you bring it in and you're like, what do you want me to do with this? Like, but they're so proud of their creation. Yeah. You're like, good job, buddy. <laughs> I don't know what else to do. <laughs> that, that's what you're like, oh, I see that you use, oh, look, there's two letter T's in there. T represents the sound. And, you know, you give feedback around that. And that's so exciting because the more you do that, you start to see. So maybe it's this big, long word that isn't mm-hmm. a word. But within the word, you can put a square around exactly. M-E and, oh, look, you spelled the word me. or And you start to kind of see it evolve that way, too, yeah. which is really exciting. And again, if you didn't let her babble with the keyboard, she wouldn't get there. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Mm-hmm. So at the Ascend conference, I heard from multiple individuals just eavesdropping on conversations <laughs> because I, I enjoy listening to other people's uh, lives. But I heard multiple parents talk with individuals about how their child is mobile and they said because my child is mobile they can't use AAC I I I was I was very surprised by that um I was surprised when I heard it the first time and I was even more shocked when I heard it two more times after that what what do you say to parents of individuals uh, who, who have disabilities that are mobile and are moving about. Uh, you, you saw Zoe. She, when she's mm-hmm. up out of her chair, she is, she is moving all over the place. What are some yeah. of the strategies that you share with them to be able to encourage use of AAC? So first I remind them that, you know, they have a lot to say and communication is a right. So we need to figure it out. Um, I do, you know, I'm very much follow the child's lead. They're on the move, figure it out. But for eye gaze use, it is beneficial to kind of have some structured time where you kind of have to be in front of it. So I'll start suggesting, you know, finding a really fun activity. Let's sit, let's start to learn it that way. And then when they're up, we, um, you know, you always have it in, in kind of a location especially somebody as mobile as Zoe, like I, my little Ava is, is quite as mobile. And, you know, I, I think there's, I think there's value in saying, Oh, Oh, guess what? I have something to say. Come with me. Let's go to your talker. I have something to say. And then you say it, you have the little conversation, you're moving around again. And then, you know, there's a lot of that modeling, like teaching them like, Oh, here's where you can go if you have something to say and oh, then you can be on the move again. So I think there's a a big teaching component to that. I think there's, there's 
ways to, you know, position. And this would depend on the layout out of the house and the active activity levels of family and that kind of thing. But, you know, ways that you have it on a rolling mount and you can bring it with you if you're in, in one room or, you know, just pick it up and put it on a table. Um, and just kind of also in the home, I think having everybody go over to it when they have something to say so that, you know, Zoe or my Ava can see that, you know, everybody's going over to it. Oh, if I have something to say, I can walk over here and then I can walk away combined with some structured teaching where she's not on the move as much so that she can kind of just see the power of it and see what it does for her and you know see the control over her environment she can have by using it which hopefully then would also translate to her wanting to walk over to it when she has something to say yeah we've we've taken to just leaving it out on on our kitchen table which works out for Mm -hmm. our family and our layout and zoe knows that she can go right over there and we have it charged on all the time we try to we're not perfect (laughs) but we Um, we try to make it as easy as possible and it's just kind of become a habit for her to wander over and she speaks her mind and if if we walk by and we see her on one specific thing a specific topic we'll jump in the conversation or um we'll even just shout from across the room to her yeah like we do with the other kids and encourage her to communicate that way yeah uh it's, it's really easy to just put up a whole lot of barriers to is. what is possible when, when you just see it as another thing, when it doesn't necessarily have to be another right. thing that you need to do. It, we're, Sarah and I are not the best at modeling. No. I will go even further and say I am the worst at modeling. I do not do modeling at all. But I have conversations with Zoe, and I get down on her level when we need to have a one-on-one conversation and I'll watch where she's trying to go. And anyways, I do my best. Yeah. And I think that needs to be remembered for all mm-hmm. of us who are learning this new language because it's going to take us time. Mm-hmm. And guess what? We are still grieving the diagnosis. <laughs> Right. That it's going to happen right. for a very long time. And so it's okay to give yourself a bit of grace and say, I can't do it. I can't do it. So if you want to be lazy like us, just put it on your kitchen table. Just put it on your kitchen table. Let your kid have access to it and let yeah. your kid go to town. Well, and it, it took, I mean, it took a little bit of time, but Zoe now, whenever she wants to say something, she goes up to it. And if it's not on... Or if it is, um, you know, if it's not on, if it's dead, or if for some reason she is paused, she will actually try swatting at it to get it to turn on. That's awesome. Because she's, How long has she had it for? She's had it two years. Okay. And I think, I honestly think she was ready for it to be on the table and just available all the time sooner than we actually put it on the table to be available all the time but her little brother it was not good like to have him messing with it and like now her brothers come up to it and they'll push buttons and stuff and as long as zoe is not actively trying to communicate it's fine like we let them play with it and she'll follow her toby around if we move it she automatically will go to wherever we've moved it because at this point, she knows right. that is her communication. If she wants to tell us something, that is where she needs to go to 
to tell us that, which is fantastic. It is fantastic. It's fantastic. That's, that's awesome. And like you said, it took time. And it that's did. the thing. I mean, patience is hard, but you know, when you have patience, eventually you start to see, you know, what you're seeing with that. So, you know, that's, that's fantastic. It doesn't, it doesn't matter when it gets there. It just matters that it does get there. Yeah, exactly. Well, Tanya, this has been an amazing conversation. It has been very insightful. It has been enjoyable more than anything. Thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing with us. <laughs> I speak English, uh, your, your experience as an SLP. And uh, thank you for giving us a bit of advice. And uh, thanks for listening to us banter about our <laughs> thoughts. Uh, That's the best part. About beating the dead horses. We got a lot of dead horses in our barn. We need to, we need to clear out those carcasses. Yeah, I think we all do. Yeah, so <laughs> maybe that was a little darker than I wanted to go. I apologize, folks. Um, I can relate though, so I'm not sure what that says. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> <laughs> this may be a conversation you two need to continue later. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's, let's keep talking about dead horses after this talk. <laughs> yeah. That's a great plan. I could just see where that could go. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, thank you again though, seriously for coming on and sharing with us your thoughts and experiences. It's, it's been great to hear about them and uh, we hope to be able to talk with you again in the very near future. Yes, and thank you so much for having me on. This was really fun, and I loved being able to chat with you guys. I could talk this stuff all day long, so I, I appreciate you, you know, listening to me and giving me a chance to chat with you. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you once again to Tanya for coming on and chatting with us. Seriously, a lot of really great information, wonderful insight, especially from somebody who has spent so much time in a professional setting, helping yes. those with varying abilities. It's always good to hear their perspective, especially yeah. since she's been so focused on red syndrome for so long. Yeah. That's also very interesting and uh, very exciting to hear. So yes. we will leave a link to her website in the show notes of this episode. So if you want to connect with Tanya and find out more about what she does, head on over to her website and you can find out more. With that, it is now time for a good old can't leave it. Can't leave it. Sarah, what can't you leave? I can't leave digital clutter or rather the digital clutter won't leave me do you leave i don't digital know. clutter like yes. it's, a, it's a trail behind you I just this absolute massacre basically <laughs> yeah i would say yes i would say yes how, like, how so well, like I see something and I'm like, oh, that would be cool. And so I click on it and then it downloads onto my computer or my phone or whatnot. It downloads the the thing, like the file. Are you just randomly clicking links? No, like, <laughs> like I'll click something and it'll turn out to be like a PDF. Mm -hmm. And so it'll download gotcha. the PDF. Or sometimes I look at embroidery patterns and they download. 
or, you know, it's stuff like that where it's like these random things that download and I have no idea where they download to or, I mean, <laughs> sometimes they download to my download file and then other times they end up other places and I have no idea where they ended up. Anyway, I feel like there should be a class in high school or college about organizing your digital crap because there's tons and tons of organize your office or organize your kitchen or organize your whatever, but there is no organize all your digital crap. I'm going to YouTube. I'm sure there is. Don't (laughs) quote me. Don't quote me. Don't look it up. I'm sure there is, but I feel like it is not talked about. You're right. And nobody, like, nobody's like, oh, why didn't somebody teach me how to organize all of these files and all of this stuff that we're downloading? And then I have to go through it all. And I'm like, well, I don't need any of this. (laughs) And I go through and I'm like, I don't need this. I don't need this. So I go into a file. I delete all the stuff. I end up deleting all the stuff in the file. And then I'm like, well, great. Now I could have just deleted the whole file instead of deleting (laughs) everything, the whole folder instead of everything one by one. (laughs) It takes so much dang time. And here's the thing. I have Pinterest. Mm -hmm. I have, I've, I have so many pins on Pinterest that I've never used. They look cool. So I saved them and I'm thinking, oh, I'll use it later. I'll do it later. I not going to do it later. Did you save them to a collection? Yeah. Well, okay, sort that's a, of. That's really good because that's like a start to being a little more organized with Yeah, but it. why am I keeping it if I'm not going to do it? I mean, you never know. I mean, does it really matter if you keep it or not? Is that taking up space on your phone? Well, no, but it, I, then I have to sort through that stuff to get to the stuff that I actually <laughs> want to get to. Gotcha. So, yeah. But there's that. There's Google Drive. Right. And how many emails do I have? Way too many emails. And each of them has a Google Drive. And I have stuff saved on every Google Drive. And I'm like, (sighs) it's just, it's a mess. And I need to go through it. And I don't know how. I mean, do you know what you want to do by the end of going through them? Clean them out. Get rid of stuff. I don't know. Are you saying I should just leave everything the way that it is? No, no. I I think you don't know what you actually want is what it is. You're not happy with the way that it is. I think I don't know what I have. That That's too. the, like, I think I don't know what's there because there's so much of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's the bigger issue. How often do people do spring cleaning digitally? Right. Exactly. Nobody ever talks about doing that. Well, let's go to YouTube. And- oh, shush. <laughs> What's your can't leave it? Just move on. Stupid YouTube. <laughs> Sorry. For some reason, that's just really funny that I said it two times in a row. <laughs> Anyways. Apparently, it's only funny to me. <laughs> I can't leave it. Our puppy. We have such a good puppy. We, I think we've shared like maybe one picture of her. Yeah, we have on, we don't on really social share. media. I mean, we don't we don't share 
a ton of pictures of us. Cause I mean, the, the podcast isn't about us. It's about community. So, yeah. but, uh, we have a puppy and she's not a puppy. Well, I call her a puppy. She's not because in, in April she turned 10. She's 10 years old. I know. I've known her longer than I've known you. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so it's Sam al- had her. It's almost double the amount of time it is. I've known you. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Sam had her before we met. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got her when she was a puppy. I never wanted to get a puppy. But there were circumstances that I was like, well, if I'm going to get a dog, uh, that it, I want to get a rescue dog. She was going to end up at the the pound pound. anyways. And so I saved her from going to a shelter and uh, I ended up keeping her. And with a lot of help from my folks, they uh, kept her during times when I wasn't able to keep her myself. And I mean, my mom loves our kids and my dad loves the dog. Yeah. So everybody's taken care of in our family. <laughs> Quite literally, when we lived close to them, I would get text messages. Oh my gosh! From from Sam's dad. Can Missy come over? Yeah. Can she have a sleepover? Can she have a sleepover? No. It would start with. It would start with. Can Missy come over? And then, and then once she came over, he would message me later. Can she have a sleepover? <laughs> just like, you know, just like we would do when we went to our friends' houses. Yeah. Yeah, except Missy is the dog, not... Yeah, not a person. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Dad, Which, dad loves her. She's, I, she's I love their relationship. Because really she loves him, too. So, so not, not that my father doesn't care about anybody's birthdays. He certainly does. He has only initiated a birthday text, as far as I know... Once, once, and that was when she turned 10. Yep. <laughs> yep. He sent out a text with a picture of her. Happy birthday, Missy. <laughs> and, and I saw it, and I, I almost keeled over. I was laughing so hard because I was like, of course, of course he would. Uh, yeah. But she, she's, I, I don't know how. We lucked out and having such a good dog, such a great doggy. She, she's only ever really lived in, uh, is it community housing? I don't know what you would call it. I mean, it's, it's been apartments and townhomes. She's lived in standalone homes a few times, but it's mainly been in this, these small housing situations. And we'll put a picture up of her. She is a Border Collie Blue Healer mix. And if you know anything about dog breeds, those two breeds are very intelligent, especially the Border Collie and most definitely the Blue Healer. And they're very energetic. Yes, very active. And my only thought is because she has been raised in a situation that she's always been in these small housing units, she's just kind of grown accustomed to it. Now, she absolutely has a lot of energy when she goes out with us to a park or a walk or uh, well, and we'll she always the mountains. Wants to play. <clears throat> she does. She does. But she's also, she just lounges around for a lot of the time, too, which is yeah. weird for that breed. So, anyways. I mean, now it's not weird because she's old. She, she's getting up there in age, 10 years. 
it's it's weird. It's weird to think that she's she's been in my life ten years since she was a little baby puppy. Maybe I'll also pull out some pictures of her when she's, oh, she's teeny so tiny. Cute, so she had I mean she's just so fluffy and tiny and squishy. <laughs> and then she had these giant ears when she was when she was a puppy. I mean these things were huge. She looked like a bat. I called her little bat for the longest time because her tiny head did not match her ginormous ears. So anyways, that's my can't leave it. She's 10 years old. We love her. She's great. She, she's, she's good. Usually. She's, she's my dog. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. That, that is actually the part that I haven't, we haven't shared yet. And that is Sarah will go upstairs to shower or grab something from our room, whatever it may be. And I will be sitting on the couch and Missy will be laying on her bed and I will literally look over at Missy and she looks at me and it's a brief stare for two to three <laughs> seconds. And then she just gets up and walks away. Sarah will, she's, she's been sick and I leave Sarah in our room and close the door and let her have the space to herself. And where's the dog? Outside the door. But when I get sick, she loves me. Where's the dog? <laughs> With you downstairs. I know. She doesn't care about you. She when doesn't you're care. Sick. She, no, she doesn't. In fact, when it's just her and I in the house, she literally goes to the opposite end of the house. <laughs> she does not want to hang out with me. Now, when we go out on walks or we'll go out running, uh, I mean, she'll yeah, she'll come to me. But yeah. otherwise, just to hang out, it is. If we're in the not house. Me. If we're in the house, if I am there, Missy is following me. But if your dad is present, he I'm burnt toast. He he trumps all. Oh yeah. yes. Yeah, he trumps all. So it doesn't matter. I could be standing there covered in peanut butter. She still and, wouldn't even look at and you. Deliciousness and she wouldn't even bother because my dad is is king. Yep. When it comes to it. So Anyways, you guys should all be jealous that uh, we have a puppy named Missy who's 10 years old and is very sweet. And she's pretty. She is. I haven't even mentioned her, her coloring. She's a very pretty dog. Uh, white, almost all over with black. But it's not Dalmatian. No. It's, it's, it kind of throws people off. They're like, is she a Dalmatian? No, she's not a Dalmatian. She kind of looks like a Dalmatian. She's smarter than a Dalmatian. Dalmatian eats her dust. So, anyways, our puppy. And with that, thank you so much for joining us for this episode. Be sure to subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcast so that you are notified when we publish episodes, which is every other Monday morning. And please leave us a rating on iTunes. Leave us a message or a question on the Anchor app, and you could become part of the show. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Pretty Happy Pod, where we share episode clips, news and updates, and photos of our adorable daughter. If you would like to be interviewed on the show, reach out to us on any of our social media accounts, or you can send us an email at prettyhappypod at gmail.com. For more information about Rett Syndrome, visit our website, 